Blog Talk Radio. Everybody and welcome to today's episode of Trundlebed Tales Radio. Today we're going to be lo- taking a look back at what happened in Laura Ingalls Wilder fandom in 2011, and I think it's been an exciting year, and I hope you enjoy it. First up, a little housekeeping. And basically, we're just going to tell you the numbers today because I would appreciate if anybody wants to call in or ask a question. I'm trying to experiment with times a little bit to see what works for people. So um, if anybody wants to give a holler of what a time that would work best for them, that would be great. And we'll see how it goes. If you do want to call in, either to ask a question or just to listen by phone, you can always reach us while on the air at 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253. Or toll-free, 1-877-633-9389. That's 1-877-633-9389. Nine three eight nine. We also have a chat room open today on our page on Blog Talk Radio, and you can always tweet us a question at Trendlebed Tales as well if you would rather do that. Well, this is kind of an auspicious day uh, as we end the housekeeping because. This is the one-year anniversary of this show. It was one year ago when Trendlebed Tales Radio took to the, well, streaming waves, if not airwaves, and we started doing podcasts about Laura Ingalls Wilder. And I can tell you that we've learned a lot in this past year. Um, I was pretty sick during that first episode, so I'm feeling better. That's a good thing. Uh, And then uh, we now have a theme song played on a pump organ. We've set up, in addition to our regular shows, where we have a pattern of having one half-hour show where I just talk about something every month, and then the second episode being an interview with somebody that's an hour long, just because I basically think you usually need about an hour to get anything in depth. Uh, And then we also have a monthly update, hopefully done near the beginning of the month, though not always. And we've started a second show under the Trendlebed Tales banner where we actually call it Travel Times. And we talk about different travel adventures that people have had and maybe you'd like to try that too. So I think it's been a good year. Uh, We've had some definite problems. Uh, There are several technical bugs that keep being an issue. I think it's been about six months I've been trying to get the the 1-800 number to work in Canada, which is not a good thing, especially because it's kind of hard for me to get somebody to test it. But all in all, 
besides the few times when we drop out in the middle of the episode, which does seem to be about once an episode, I think things are going really well. And I hope that you're enjoying uh, Trendlebed Tales. We're getting people who are listening to it live, though mostly what we find are, are archive listens. And people are both streaming from the website and using iTunes. So uh, I think I have to say that one year in, it's been a fairly uh, fairly successful experiment. I think we have to work a little harder on trying to get the word out. So if you have any Laura buddies who uh, you hasn't you don't know about the podcast, or if you don't know if they know about the podcast, go ahead and spread the good word. But other than that, I think things are coming along uh, fairly well. So. That gets us to looking at what's going on in Laura Ingalls Wilder fandom this year. And thinking back over the year, it was a little quieter than 2010. 2010, we had a um, uh, two exhibits going on. The one at uh, Mandigan College Library and up in Michigan and the Christmas exhibit at the Hoover Presidential Library. We had a documentary come out on Ozark's public television about Laura's life. And it seems like there was a, a little bit more happening, but it's still been a pretty good year in 2011. Thinking back, I decided the thing that probably uh, what people might remember most from this year are the Garth Williams auctions. And I should explain this a little bit. The Garth Williams, the second illustrator of the Little House series, uh, worked on those illustrations almost 10 years, did a tour of the home sites, interviewed Laura Ingalls Wilder, apparently kept at least some kind of sketch journal because he mentions it in an article he wrote for the Chicago Tribune uh, about the experience. Uh, but when he died, he left kind of a complicated estate. Uh, he was married several times. There were children from more than one wife. And um, I think... Uh, at least, I think that the primary concern has been to maximize profit for the family. Um, they didn't do anything for a while after he died. A handful of images were sold. And I'd actually contacted the lawyer asking about that travel diary, if any of it, it still existed, and basically was brushed off with, being told just about exactly that, that they were trying to maximize profit for the family. Um, as far as I can tell, there hasn't, at least if it's happened, I have not yet received word of it. There's been no real deposit of papers or sketches of any kind at any of the main children's literature research institutions or even any place that, that uh, William studied. It seems like mostly everything is going to auction are sort of um, single pieces that were used in book illustrations for all these books, not just the Laura books. And the auctions seem to be going fairly well. They're being handled by uh, Heritage Auctions out of New York. They've been doing them a book at a time. 
they have been uh, doing them online, so you can watch the auction if you want. And uh, they're primarily things that were actually used in in the book series for illustration. Uh, two of the museums have been very vocal about trying to get these pieces. Uh, one is or the DeSmet Museum, the Loring Wilder Memorial Society in DeSmet, South Dakota, is making a concerted, organized effort to try and get at least a couple of representative samples of illustrations from the uh, from these auctions for each book. Uh, so, and for this last auction they did, which was um, the Little House in the no, it was Farmer Boy. The last one they did was Farmer Boy. They had gotten three pieces out of that one. The other museum that is working towards that is the Laura Ingalls Wilder Museum in Walnut Grove. They're taking sort of an opposite approach. They're uh, trying to get as many illustrations as possible from the one book that is set in their town. So they're looking for um, uh, looking to get as many as possible illustrations from on the banks of Plum Creek. Uh, in none of these auctions, from what I've seen so far, has there been any mention of diaries, of sketches, of study sketches, of letters, of papers, or anything like that. So at this point, we don't know what, what's happened to those sorts of materials. And both of those museums, the one in DeSmet and the one in Walnut Grove, are both looking for fundraising opportunities uh, to purchase images. If you are interested at all in helping the museum, I think this would be a good opportunity. Um, these are right now complete sets. From here on in, it's going to be a broken collection and tracking what happened to any given piece or trying to get more pieces in in future, I think is going to be fairly hard. So I think uh, this would be a great time for them to be able to get uh, the purchasing in as they can. And if you do have any you know, extra money after Christmas, I think that would be a good place to send it to is even, I mean, every little bit helps. If everybody sends $5, say, then that will really up the coffers. So, uh, again, the two museums that are, are at least making a big noise about getting pieces, I do not know for sure that other museums are not, but they haven't said they are and they haven't done any fundraising campaigns. So the two that are, are making an active public uh, push to get these illustrations are the museum in DeSmet and the museum in Walnut Grove, and you can send the money accordingly. The second thing that I wanted to talk about that I think is probably going to be fairly memorable was this using the 71 date for that. It really was a very nice thing. I find that uh, when it comes to a big event, DeSmet really pulls out all the stops. They seem to get a lot of um, 
a lot of the people around town and uh, get them in town working on uh, having various activities going on. And uh, for instance, for the this uh, anniversary, you could go and make name cards at the um, Dismet News. You could get rope suspenders at the Loftus store, uh, various little things like that. They had a whole series of events, a whole uh, series of little activities that you could do at certain times during the day. And this went on for all three weeks of the, the pageant. They had special speakers, one a little bit more special than the others. Uh, at least I think mean to think so. And I think it was really went over well. Um, there are times when they uh, things didn't quite go off like they should, but they always seem to pull it out uh, trumps for a big event. So I think a lot of these activities they did for this year really wouldn't be too difficult to do on a continuing basis. And I hope that they will genuinely give some thought into continuing that because I think it's always good when there are definite things that you know about going on in the town. The other big thing I think that's going to come across this year is the replica ring, the replica of Laura's engagement ring that was produced by a local jeweler in cooperation with the Laura Ingalls Wilder Museum in Walnut Grove. Uh, I think this was kind of a brilliant idea and from the standpoint is there was definitely demand for it. I think the replica ring is in all likelihood uh, much higher quality than Laura's original ring, which was, as far as we can tell, purchased out of the Montgomery Ward catalog, and there's a sketch that matches her description. And uh, judging by the price, there wasn't a lot of fine quality materials going into that one. The one from Walnut Grove is using genuine gemstones and real gold. They had tried an alloy, and it turned somebody's finger green, and they said, you know, let's just go all the way and do high-quality stuff. And uh, it is priced accordingly. But uh, these were the, the first ones available. They were only going to do it if they hit a magic number of buys. They did hit that number. They did the first batch. Um, and I was, I'll admit I was tempted into being one of them. So I have my ring. And it can, comes in a little jewelry box that even has the Laura Ingalls Wilder Walnut Grove uh, imprint inside that. So uh, they're still selling them on the website. The price did go up after the first buy. But they are going to be uh, available as long as there's continued interest. And that is definitely something that nobody has tried before on a mass basis. Uh, I know people who have taken the Montgomery Ward photo in and Laura's description and had various jewelers try and replicate it on a one-of-a-kind basis, but to do it as a mass-produced, well, I, I, to do it as a multiple-unit production thing, this was the first time they did that, and I think it might lead them to doing other things like that. So here's hoping that they uh, continue to have good luck with that and we get more Laura stuff to uh, buy. 
Another thing that I think really stands out about 2011 in Laura fandom was the weather, which sounds kind of odd, but normally there seems to be a lot of bad luck with Laura Ingalls Wilder events in the weather, which you can really tell because usually if you have a Laura Ingalls Wilder event, a lot of it is outside. So having rain or tornadoes or hail, or blizzards, or any of that stuff is not good. And usually, uh, it seems like at least some of the Laura Ingalls Wilder events get hit by bad weather every single year. And this year, for every event that I had anything to do about or heard about, they had absolutely lovely weather with the possible exception of the Pepin Hometown Days on December 3rd, which I think did get hit by some nasty weather, but that really is sort of a marginal. It, it's a lot more hometown and a lot less Laura, but um, that's the only one that really had bad weather. I mean, there were a couple other Laura events that weekend. I haven't heard anything about them being uh, having weather troubles. Uh, I was at the Laura Days in Independence, um, which was, I think, a really uh, good success. I was impressed by the number of people who came to it. Uh, they had a great weather for the Laura Days in in. Pepin. They had good weather for the Laura Days in Baroque. They had beautiful weather in Desmet. There was a little flooding, which kind of narrowed your route choices. But in Pepin itself, the weather was absolutely beautiful. Um, and I just I can't remember another year that had such uniformly beautiful Laura weather. So the Laura Weather gods must have been smiling on us. Maybe it is now that we have a certified meteorologist officially in our Laura Palooza ranks. So, if so, then I hope Barb is with us for a good long time because Lord knows we can use the good weather. And I say that as being caught in one of those blizzards coming back from a Laura exhibit last year. Good weather is definitely nothing to take, or to take for granted. A sad thing for this year, uh, they have been doing a, a event on Labor Day called Laura Ingalls Wilder Remembered at the Herbert Hoover Presidential Library. Uh, I did it for 11 years, and I think they did it for three or maybe four before that, before I got involved. And this year, with the change in director, they decided not to do that. Uh, no word on whether they will actually go ahead and do it again next year. Uh, and I'm frankly kind of sad about it because the Hoover Library does hold the Laura collection. I had hoped that they would you know, someday do another Laura conference because the one they did there was very enjoyable. Um, I'd hoped that at the very least they'd kind of keep one day where they would be celebrating Laura. But uh, I really haven't heard anything uh, since September. So 
Uh, I would guess, as it stands now, it might be the end of Laura Ingalls Wilder Remembered at Hoover, which I think is very sad. Um, and that's probably something that we're going to remember this year for, too. Uh, there's been a couple of things that we thought um, we should have heard about by now that we haven't. Uh, the, Laura, the Little House in the Prairie, the musical... Uh, having completed its run last year, uh, there was a lot of talk about it going someplace. Uh, probably, there's some talk about Broadway, but with the producer's previous experience, I think it would take um, pretty firm commitment and show of support to actually go to Broadway for them. I think Branson, which they talked about, was a much more viable option, but I have not heard one thing about it all year. Um, the Twitter feed still exists, but has not said anything all year. Uh, the website, absolutely no new information. So um, you would think that if they really are done with it, the normal thing then is to release rights to the scripts to one of the publishing houses that handles uh, selling people the scripts and rights to do various plays, they haven't shown up anywhere yet. So literally no word in what's going on in the Little House on the Prairie the Musical. And I really thought we would have heard either that they were permanently going someplace as a long-term show or that they were releasing the rights at some point this year, and that they haven't, um, I have no idea why not. Another thing that we thought we'd probably be announcing by now is uh, Dean Butler's documentary on Laura Ingalls Wilder, which he previewed for the audience at the 2010 Laura Palooza. And um, it definitely needed a few corrections and some more editing and that's it I haven't heard anything else about it from then um, so no word on that something we have heard about and this is kind of looking ahead to 2011 but another project of Dean Butler's in cooperation with Dale Cockrell is they're going to be doing a PBS Pledge Special called Pause Fiddle. It's going to be recorded in Nashville uh, on January 6th. And I am very sad that I am not going to get to go there and hear it. But for those of you who don't get to go in person, what I would recommend doing is start contacting your local PBS station and tell them that this opportunity to get this special is out there. And the special itself, this was one thing that I heard a little bit more on, uh, it will be released for, or uh, premiered for PBS in June of uh, 2012. So I think that's when they'll probably be able to buy it I don't know if they're thinking, I don't know how quick the turnaround is going to be, if that means that it's going to be air, start airing in, uh, on PBS sometime during 
summer 2012 or if that's when they do their buying for uh, the December and March kind of major fundraising pushes, though um, that's here. Some PBS stations have more than those two. So I'm not exactly sure when uh, you could look at it airing, but June is when they can buy it. So let them know it's coming, and re I'll remind everybody on here in June that you want to make sure you contact your PBS station now and then to make sure that it airs. Now, that means that we're going to be able to uh, see it ourselves, of course, but it also means that we're demonstrating uh, an interest and a level of fan devotion towards having this kind of programming available. It wouldn't hurt to suggest some things that were premiums. It wouldn't hurt to say words like, I would pledge to uh, your fill in your PBS station here if you during this for a, if this was part of your pledge break. Just a suggestion on that, but uh, we'll be looking forward, hopefully, to being able to see Pause Fiddle coming up soon. And I did want to just briefly, in case you haven't gone back and listened to my other uh, podcasts, I wanted to kind of run through the ones that I did as sort of a roundup. Uh, the Laura Ingalls Wilder ones especially, because I I really think that if you're a Laura fan, you'll enjoy them. And if you came up in uh, sort of in the center, there's nothing to stop you to go back to listen now. You can listen to them by uh, either streaming them right from my website. You can find links on both my website, trundlebedtales.com, and on my blog, trundlebedtales.wordpress.com, and on my uh, blog talk radio page, uh, blogtalkradio.com slash trundlebedtales. And you can also find them on iTunes under podcasts where you can download them for free. The show is called Trundlebed Tales. And uh, last year we did Fandom 2010 in review. I did sort of a little uh, introduction of the host in the format. We talked about taking a Laura Ingalls Wilder vacation. I interviewed Nicole Azinga of the Walnut Grove Museum, who was kind enough to consent to be my very first uh, interviewee. We had Laura Ingalls Wilder's birthday on-air party, and I think we'll be doing that again in February. If you have any suggestions of things that you'd like to see for that, go ahead and shoot me a message. Next interview was Barb Mays Boosted, who talked about uh, was long winter really bad or not. Uh, I did an introduction on one-room schools. I interviewed Michelle Martin of the Little House in the Prairie Museum in Independence, Kansas. I did basically what I did when I had the Laura Ingalls Wilder Patch Workshop at Escher's Ferry Historic Village in Cedar Rapids and went through the process of making biscuits. It was called Take a Bite Out of History Biscuits. And I hope to get another food history episode at least one more this coming year. I interviewed Steve Luce of Baroque, Iowa, Laura Ingalls Wilder's Park and Museum. 
I did a project about my Seeking Laura letters, and I will probably do another update of that. I think they're just, um, I can't get word out about that enough. Please help spread the word. And if you don't know about it and want to, there's an episode here, or you can always talk to me. I talked about the Disnet Pageant's 40th anniversary with Ann Lish. Uh, I interviewed Barb Lounsbury on Nancy Drew. So if you're a Nancy Drew person, that was episode 13. Take a look. I interviewed my brother, Robbie Utoff, on making hay. And he talked about uh, the process of making hay then and now. Uh, there's reports from my trip to Independence, Kansas, the Smet, South Dakota, and Burr Oak. I interviewed Pam Stover on music in one-room schools. I gave an introduction on aprons. I interviewed Kitty Latane of Pepin. I interviewed Paul Jewell on Lincoln's Iowa Connection. I talked about Spring Valley with a couple of the ladies from that museum. I talked about how in the 19th and early 20th century, your house would change for fall. I interviewed Julie Williams about Carrie Ingalls Swainsey, who as a fellow newspaper woman, I think has definite insights of the character. We talked about Laura celebrating Thanksgiving and... Then I uh, talked about Ingalls Wilder Cemetery Basics and did this roundup for Laura Ingalls Wilder fandom. For the travel episodes, we interviewed someone who goes on Ragby, someone from Truck Fest, Civil, uh, Civil War reenactor, someone who goes to the Iowa State Fair, uh, professional baseball games, staying in a bread and breakfast, and traveling on Amtrak. I hope you've enjoyed all of our episodes, and I'm really hoping that you'll uh, go back and listen to those you've missed, and we'll be looking forward to having you join me again on Trundle Bed Trails Radio in 2012. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.